Today is Tuesday, December 7th. The title for our devotional is The Promised Messiah. For Advent this year, we're looking at Luke's narrative of Jesus' birth. Today, let's begin with what we learn about Jesus in the angel's announcement to Mary. The rest of the week, we will focus on Mary. Luke 1, 26-38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Verses 31 to 33 give us a rather brief but exceedingly glorious picture of the child to be born to Mary. In these verses, we learn five things about Jesus. First is that his name is to be Jesus. This wasn't just a name that Mary and Joseph picked. This was a name that the angel gave them to name their son. In the first couple of chapters of Luke here, he has two stories running parallel, as we saw yesterday. Um, The birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus are both running at the same time. In the story of John, we learn that when they go to name him uh, and Elizabeth declares his name to be John, everyone is surprised because nobody in their family has that name. It was customary in that time to name the child after their father or one of their grandfathers. In the same way, the angel dictated Jesus' name to Mary. Uh, It would have broken custom and and caused a bit of controversy in the community. Yet the name is vitally important because it speaks to what he will do and who he will be. One's name in Hebrew culture carried more significance than we tend to give it today. It indicates one's character, what they would do and, again, who they would be. To bear one's name meant that you would represent everything about that individual. When God names someone, it carries incredible significance. Uh, like God gives, when God declares to Moses his own personal name to be Yahweh, meaning I am, then I am. When God changes Jacob's name to Israel, uh, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Peter, are all other examples in scripture of name changes that are incredibly significant. The name Jesus means God is my savior, my salvation, or my deliverance. The reason for this name is obvious, given what we know about the life of Jesus to follow. Second, we learn that Jesus will be great. This is parallel to the announcement of John the Baptist in verse 15, indicating that they will both be persons of renown. However, uh, the next statement will separate Jesus from John, which is number three. He will be called the Son of the Most High. This, again, separates Jesus from John the Baptist. It doesn't, the angel does not announce to Zechariah that John the Baptist will be called the Son of the Most High. He would only be called Great. The phrase Most High God emphasizes the superiority and transcendent power of Yahweh over and against other pagan deities. 
In this case, it may be a subtle rebuttal against Caesar's claim to be a son of the gods or other claims of divine sonship in the ancient world. Jesus far exceeds all of them because he is the son of the one true God, the most high God. Fourth, we learn that God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob. The Old Testament promises a Messiah will come one day in the line of David. That is why earlier in the narrative, here in verse 28, it indicates that Joseph was a descendant of David. That's why Matthew goes through such a long, uh, great pains in his gospel to indicate that Jesus' lineage and genealogy can be traced back to David. We look at 2 Samuel 7:18 and many other verses throughout the Old Testament, we learn that the Messiah would come from the line of David. He is the promised king of God's people. We're going to talk about this more in the coming weeks. Fifth, we learn that he will reign forever and his kingdom will have no end. These phrases point to both the eternality and the endless expansion of Christ's kingdom. His kingdom will never temporally come to an end like the law of Moses or the kingdom eras of Israel, which fell repeatedly to attacking nations like Babylon, Assyria, or Rome. This declaration is also likely hinting at the limitless expansion of the kingdom. It will spread from Israel to the Gentiles, eventually to all the nations. The rule of the Messianic king extends to all the cosmos, as Colossians 1 says, and upon his return it will be fully realized in the new creation, as we see in Revelation 21-22. to So these are glorious promises, uh, fulfilled in the yet-to-be-born Messiah, Jesus. This background explains... Mary's reaction to this announcement. The birth of her child represents the realization of the hope given the people of Israel from the beginning of time. In Genesis 3:16, we read of the first announcement of the gospel. What happens here is nothing short of the fulfillment of God's promised redemption of all creation that the Jews have been longing and waiting for since their founding. This marks the beginning of the most momentous human in all of history. And the fanfare to kick it off does not disappoint, as we will see this week and next week. For additional content today, I've linked you to a Bible Project video on Luke 1 and 2, in which they walk through the birth of Jesus. Reflection time today. This announcement of Jesus' birth represented the fulfillment of Israel's long-awaited hope. Think of something in your life that you had waited a long time for. I think of things like when I was a kid and my parents got me a Nintendo 64 for Christmas. It was a big deal, all right? I think of things like my wedding day, uh, the birth of my children, the purchase of our first home. One of those is significantly less than the others, I know. But I was a kid, all right? Think of the expectation and the excitement when when what you had hoped for became reality. This announcement carries with it that kind of fulfilled expectation and longing times a thousand. This is the fulfillment of the greatest promise by God in history. The realization of what the Jews had been longing for for centuries. Characters throughout their history had given them hope or never the promised one until Jesus. When you see the longing, the expectancy, and the hope realized on the faces of children this Christmas season, think of Jesus the greatest realized hope in history. Don't stop there. Let yourself be given over in hope of Jesus' second coming. 
God faithfully brought about the first advent of the Messiah. We can trust that he will faithfully bring about the second as well. And this hope realized will bring with it the restoration of all creation, making all things new and making, as J.R. Tolkien says, all the sad things come untrue.